This morning I want to do something a little bit different. I don't always just start with the scripture, but I would like to read a passage of scripture with you from Jeremiah chapter 1. And uh, first of all, it's great to have you guys with us to be able to worship and to celebrate God's presence. But as a part of that, it's also an opportunity for us to dig into his word and to allow God's word to speak to us. I believe today that when we come to church, it ought to be more than a ritual, ought to be more than just an act that we do every Sunday morning. But it's an opportunity for God's word to speak to us as a group. So uh, this morning we're going to start in Jeremiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 4 through 10. Uh, It's a relatively short passage, but it's an incredibly important and powerful passage, not only for Jeremiah. This was valuable to him. But I believe today that the things that he is dealing with are the things that maybe many of us deal with today. So Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4, says this. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build And to plant. I want you to notice that we're talking about Jeremiah here, a man whom we would look at and say, What an incredible man of God. The impact of his life was amazing, yet here he felt so inadequate. Most of you already know this, but I love country music, specifically old country music. I don't really like the newer stuff, but I remember growing up, my mom listened to country music, and we listened to people like Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, and there was a guy named Boxcar Willie. Uh, There were a couple other ones that I really liked. There was one in particular, his name was Mac Davis, and probably the only song that anybody knows that Mac Davis did was, it's actually one of my favorite songs, it says, Oh Lord... It's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Well, the truth is that probably nobody in here could say that about themselves with a straight face because we are all so familiar with our inadequacies, the things that take place in our lives. We know our weaknesses so well, even when everybody else thinks that we are well put together, we have everything in place in our lives We know all the imperfections. We know the things that nobody else knows about. In fact, they always seem to be present for us. Of course, at times we also assume that these shortcomings, all of our weaknesses, are the same things that God sees all the time as well. But in the scripture reading today, we hear the Lord saying to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. In this setting, the voice of God comes to announce not only Jeremiah, but our extraordinary worth to God 
and his plan to use us. This personal worth is tied to the fact that we were made by God and our worth to God started before we were even born. This isn't something where God looked around and he said, now, who can I use? You know what? Stephen's a pretty good guy. Maybe I could get him. God had a plan long before we were ever born. In fact, even before we were conceived, God had a plan for each of us. We have worth because we were born in the mind of God before we even entered our mother's womb. We are valuable to God before the world began because already he was crafting us to accomplish his specific purposes. We are the product of his creativity and love. That is something that has never changed. God created you for a specific purpose. That tells me you're pretty important. What concerns me about the way we talk about self-esteem and self-image today, though, is that it seems typically to be tied to specific abilities. We tell our children... You can be whatever you want to be. Is that true? If I spent 12 hours a day practicing the piano, I could never play as well as Margie and Noah and whomever, Lee, who does in the second service often. I could never play the guitar like Daly does. Or like Jason, who plays in our second service. I could never play the drums like Andrew does, or like Randy, or just about any. You know, there was a day I actually thought, you know what, my son is so gifted on the drums. Maybe it was passed down in the family, and I just didn't know it. So I was in the church by myself, and I I decided to go in the sanctuary, and I just sat down behind the drums and started to play. Well, it must skip a generation, because it did not come through me. The thing is, I can tell myself all I want, that I can be anything that I want to be. But the truth is, there's always going to be someone else who's probably better at everything. I could play a lot of sports. I probably could never throw a softball the way Michaela Sexton or Maria Molasso do. They're amazing. I'm good with teenagers. I could never be as good with children as what Aaron or some of the other children's workers are. And I'm glad. I was at children's camp just, uh, I guess it was about a week or so ago. And, and don't get me wrong, I really do love kids, but it's not my gift. It's not something that I'm really good at. In fact, they make me really nervous. And I get there, and I, I just want to clarify that this individual that I'm going to reference here is not a part of our church, so don't try to figure out who it was. Uh, I get there, and uh, remember, I'm the guy who I'm nervous about being there. I really don't feel comfortable being with the kids. The, the camp nurse comes to me. As soon as we're getting started, she says, uh, hey, I just wanted you to know one of the kids in your room, uh, he's got a real bad peanut allergy. Just want you to be prepared. Oh, and by the way, they forgot to bring his EpiPen. Great. Okay, so we, we're going to do peanut butter snacks right before we go to bed. Uh, I, then I, I said, okay, that's no problem. We can handle it. She says, oh, and one other thing. Uh, he's severely ADHD, and they decided not to give him his medicine before he got there. I'm thinking, seriously? I'm not even good with kids, and you put this kid in my room. 
The thing is, I don't have to be good at all of those things. And I don't have to be the best at every single thing because truthfully, my value is not just found in the things that I am able to do. There are many things I cannot do, and the things I can do are often not as good as what other people can do. The reality begins to dawn on children relatively quickly that they are not going to be the best at every single thing. So then the question is, then what do you do? How do you handle life when you begin to realize your abilities are not enough to give you that value? The truth is, you may not be able to be everything you want to be. But you can be everything that God wants you to be. That is where our identity and our self-esteem must be grounded or eventually it will fall apart. Our culture places extreme value on superficial things. We value youth and beauty and athletic ability and intelligence and education and wealth and fame and all of these other things. But what happens when you have it all and then you lose it all? What happens when Superman becomes wheelchair-bound? What happens when a supermodel gains super weight and gets super old? What happens when a super intelligent person has a stroke? What happens when a superstar ends up in jail? What happens when you have a super career and something happens and you lose it? What then? Where do you get your feelings of self-esteem and worth when everything on which you have based your self-esteem has vanished. In this passage from Jeremiah, the first thing that I see is this. An accurate view of yourself comes from an understanding of God's view of who you are. When God told Jeremiah that he valued him and had plans for his life, Jeremiah does what? He protests. He protests that he was only a child, that he's not as skilled. He doesn't have the ability to speak, and he basically begins to make excuses. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Moses at the burning bush. God is calling him to go and to do it, and Moses says, well, uh, God, God I'm, I'm not really good at speaking. And God says, I will put the words in your mouth. I will be the one who will speak, and it's basically what he says here to Jeremiah. Don't tell me that you're young. I will be the one. The Lord says, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. God had plans for Jeremiah that Jeremiah simply could not understand. Let me stop for a moment because I believe today that there are those even in this room who perhaps God has a plan for your life still. You say, no, no, pastor, you don't understand. My issue is not the fact that I'm young. It's the fact that I'm old. If you are here today, God still has a plan for your life. And God can use you no matter what stage of life you are in. You are not an accident. You are not a random act that has taken place in history. God has put you here at this time for a reason. He has a plan for your life. Jeremiah saw himself as having limited value, but God saw him as having great value. His value wasn't in how he saw himself or even how others saw him, but in how God saw him. You may not seem like much in your own mind, but it's who you are in God's eyes that truly matters. 
The kind of self-esteem that says, I have worth. I'm worth something because I'm doing well and because others look up to me and because I can do this and I can do that. It is a black hole from which many people will never return. For what happens is we begin to identify ourselves by what we have or what we can do. And God says, your identity, your value is in me. If your self-worth is based on how you see yourself or how others see you, then you will be disappointed. You'll spend your life climbing a ladder of success only to find that it was leaning against the wrong building. When I was a youth pastor in North Carolina, I had the opportunity to also be involved with the public school system. Uh, I worked with uh, Graham uh, Elementary School. Actually, middle school was the primary one that I worked in. I worked in the elementary school, middle school, and the high school. But the middle school, I got called to often. Uh, They had a program. It was a special needs program at the school, and I loved being able to work with them. Uh, What would happen is I was a substitute. Uh, It helped the kids to have some stability. So anytime they needed a substitute, I got called for that particular class. They would call me before anyone else, which was a great privilege for me. I enjoyed being able to do it. I can still remember the first day I went into their class. Uh, There were probably about 20 or so kids that were in the class. Uh, There were four teachers. So it's a pretty good ratio of, of individuals to help out. I remember the very first time I went in there, they're introducing me to all of the students, and each one has different difficulties. Uh, some of them struggled with autism. Some of them struggled with things like blindness. Uh, uh, there were some that had uh, other learning disabilities that were present. There was one girl in particular uh, that she was autistic and she was blind. And I remember as they're introducing me to everybody, they said, hey, can, can you sing for him? And this young girl who is blind and autistic begins to sing probably the most beautiful version of Amazing Grace I have ever heard in my life. Beautiful. I listened to her and, I mean, everything was on pitch. It was perfect. Beautiful. They said, well, sing something else for us. And she began to sing Moving On Up, the Jefferson's theme song. I'm going to tell you, I look at that group of kids that were in that class And I look at a group of kids that probably will never be able to function normally in society. But do they still have value in society? Shortly after we arrived in Pennsylvania at our church up there, we had a halfway house. They basically, they were located not far from the church and they would load up their van full of their uh, residents. Uh, These were individuals who all of them had some sort of physical or mental disabilities, and they would load them up and they would bring them to church. Actually, one of the reasons that they did this was it was really the only place they could bring them where they would not be disruptive. Most of the time, they would simply go in and sit and just listen to the service. Uh, Typically, they showed up late, but that was a different issue, and they would sit there, and one time, out of the hundreds of times that they came, one of the girls was making noises. Um, I had just started preaching, and she begins, and she stopped, and I thought, okay, we're okay. She was just taking a breath, and she did it again, (laughs) and then she did it again, And of course, I'm in the middle of my sermon and I'm doing everything that I can not to laugh. Other people are beginning to laugh and 
you know, you look at it and tell you the truth, those were some of the funnest people that I got to work with while I was up there. They will never be able to function in society like you will be able to do. Does that mean that they have no value to society? Actually, the truth is they were created by God. And he had a plan for them even before they were conceived. Just like you, just like Jeremiah. God had a plan for them. And regardless of whether they are able to clean up after themselves, to get out of bed on their own, to go to school, to play sports, God has a plan and a purpose for them. Even though they are totally dependent on the society around them to take care of them. Many of them cannot speak. They may be physically unattractive. They may never have a relationship with anybody other than their caretakers. They may never earn an income. What value do they have? According to the book of Jeremiah, they have great value. They are as much a part of his creation as the nurses and the aides who would bring them every single Sunday. Their worth to society is the very fact that they are dependent upon society. They are God's gift to us. God is teaching us the value of taking care of other people, not so we can gain something else, but simply because they need help. Their value is seen in the fact that other people must love on them, not wanting something in return. God is showing us the value of human life. When life is all that these individuals have. God has said in Ezekiel 18.4, For every living soul belongs to me. It doesn't matter how good somebody is or how talented they are or how much resources they have at their disposal. They were created by God and every living soul is important to God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created a male and female, he created them. Your life has value because you were created in the image of God, regardless of what you are able or unable to do. Your life finds meaning only in a relationship with God, the God in whose image you were created. He has a purpose and a plan for your life that is different from every other person around you. You guys know that I have an identical twin brother. Remember, he's very good looking. That's the one I've been talking about. You guys know I have an identical twin brother, and we went through all the same things. We experienced all the same things growing up. We had the same teachers. We went to the same church. We had the same friends. We played in the same sports. It would be easy to assume that we just made all the same decisions as well. But the fact is, God had a plan for me that was different from the plan that he had for my brother. And the same thing is true for you. God has a plan for every single one of us. Our lives find meaning in him. For he knows what we need. You guys are familiar with Jeremiah 29, 11, which declares... I know the plans that I have for you. You know that God has a plan for your life. You are so important to him that Jesus said the very hairs on your head have all been numbered. 
The second thing I see in this passage from Jeremiah is that you must know the truth about who you are. The truth was that Jeremiah was only a child in his experience and understanding. According to the world standards, he had nothing to offer. He was correct when he objected because he knew how frail and empty he seemed. If it had not been for God putting his words in Jeremiah's mouth, he would have had nothing to say. But because God had created him, as he has all of us for a very special purpose, God did not want him to look down upon himself. It was good for him to recognize, you know, I don't have a whole lot to offer. But God then reaches down and he touches his lips and he gives him the words to speak. He says to Jeremiah, do not say that I am only a child. There's good news in this. There's also bad news. Let's start with the bad news. The bad news is we are nothing without God. The good news, with God, we are something incredibly special. There is eternal significance to our lives. In Genesis 2-7, we read, God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. With God, we become of great value. We were nothing but dust. There was nothing to us until God reached down and breathe life into us. We were made from dirt, but he breathed life into us. In other words, without him, we're nothing. In fact, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Paul later says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength, but it's that through that's important. God's the one who makes it possible. The truth is that without God, we are nothing, but with him, We can be anything that he desires of us. If we remain in him, our lives will produce much fruit. The same truth is clear in regard to our need for salvation from God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul gives a long list of sins that are prevalent in society. And then he says this, that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Without God, we are nothing more than dirt, filthy from sin. Yet he breathes his life into us. Talk about incredible value. You have the opportunity to be made clean and to be made pure, to become his instrument. It's the way God always planned it for you. The same truth is clear in regard to our need for salvation from God. We need to know that his love is real to us. Peter declares that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. The truth about us is this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Indeed, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We were made for the glory of God. We were made to experience his presence. 
We were made in his image. Doesn't that give you value? Doesn't that mean that your life is worth something? The third thing that I see in this passage from Jeremiah is this. We must never forget how big God's grace has been to us. Throughout his life, Jeremiah maintained a sense of humility. Remember his declaration there, but I'm young, I'm only a child. He didn't see God's calling on his life as something that made him more superior than others. Even Jesus did not exalt himself. Philippians 2, chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Self-esteem, true self-esteem, is seen within humility, not pride. For God has said, this is the one I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We are actually seeking God's esteem, not self-esteem. The way some talk about self-esteem, it almost sounds like it is good to feel proud and superior to others. What happens when you have great self-esteem and your evaluation of yourself is inaccurate? You know, the television show American Idol, we've seen it probably uh, for the last, what is it, like 10 years? They just had 10 years of, of doing it. One of the highlights for them each year is when they put the really bad ones on there. Uh, they put the guys up there who they cannot sing at all. Uh, They get up there and they sing and it becomes almost more of a comedy routine, at least for that little segment of it. And as they do, often you hear from the individuals afterwards and they say things like, I don't know what they're talking about. I've heard for years that I'm a great singer. Some of them talk about my mom's told me for years that I can sing. You do know that moms sometimes say things because they don't want to hurt your feelings. What happens when you... Believe yourself to be something that you're not. And then you discover that you're not. Where does your self-esteem come from then? Let me tell you what you are. You are part of God's plan. He created you in his image. And from the very beginning, before you were ever conceived... God had a plan for you. You are of great value. Maybe you'll be the most talented person we know. Maybe you'll be the most intelligent person we know. Maybe you'll be the most athletic person we know. Maybe you'll be the most beautiful person that we know. But that is not where you need to find your esteem. It needs to come from God. God created you for something really special. Will you fulfill his purpose in your life? You guys know that over the past several weeks, months, I've been working through a series that has focused on Micah chapter 6 verse 8. It's a passage where Micah poses a question, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. Now, most of the time I've focused on this, uh, this passage, focusing on each of those different things. But I want you to catch here today that as we look at self-esteem and our value, really the focus is walking humbly with your God. Because if our value is found in him, that means he's the one we live for. He's the one who gives us purpose in the first place. Whatever he would call us to do, we are fulfilling his purpose, his plan. Do you understand how big and important this is? I mean, like there are people that I have a purpose and a plan for. You know, I, I have staff members and each one of them, there's something I expect of them. There's something I appreciate about them that I, I see them as an incredible blessing to the congregation. But I am nothing. God, the creator of all heaven and earth, the one who is over everything and in everything, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the one who all of us, without him, we are dust. He is the one who has a plan for your life. And if he has that plan and he says, I need you to do this, it may seem really small and insignificant, but do you know who just asked you to do it? It was the king of kings. It was the creator of heaven and earth. For us to walk humbly with our God means that we fulfill the purpose and the plan that he had all along for us. I'll tell you, it includes the, you will act justly if you are walking humbly with your God. You will love mercy because he is a merciful God if you are walking humbly with your God. But today, I simply want you to recognize God has a plan for you. You were created in his image we need to realize that God has a plan for each of us here today. There will always be someone who can do what we do better than we do. But we continue to do what God has called us to do anyways. If God has given you something that you can do, you must do it to the best of your ability. Colossians 3, verse 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart. As working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you are serving. Live as one who genuinely is serving him. I got to tell you, there's some really important people in the room around you today. You guys remember, I guess it was back in, it may have been October or November, I had a special guest that came. He came in and you guys thought he was the most recent President George Bush. He walked in and had his theme music and everything playing and there was even a fake sign that they put. It wasn't the real guy. I remember standing out there in the foyer with someone in this congregation and president, the fake president comes up and uh, he begins to talk to him and the individual looked at me and said, I feel like I should go home and change. 
because he was so overwhelmed because he was in the presence of somebody important. You guys make me feel like I should go home and change. Because God has a plan for Elaine. God created her for a very specific purpose. And it is a privilege for me to be in the presence of someone so important. God has a plan for Russell. God created Russell for a very specific purpose. God had a plan for his life. And God is going to change the world through Russell. I feel like I should go home and change. God created Linda with a very specific plan and a purpose. Everything about her was unique to her. God put that in her so that she could change this world. I feel like I should go home and change. Do you realize how important you are to the God who created everything? If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we are grateful that you would see something in us of such value, that you would put something in us of such value, that you would create us in the first place with such value. Lord, we are honored to be able to call upon your name. We are honored to be called your children. We are honored to be a part of your plan. Help us today to recognize that our beauty, our value, our purpose is not seen in even the way we look at ourselves or the way other people have looked at us, but rather help us to see our value and our purpose solely in you to recognize that we are nothing but dust until you breathe your life into us. If there be one here today that does not know you and they look upon their heart right now, they recognize that today they feel as though they are nothing more than dust. I pray that in this moment that you would forgive their sins and then you would breathe your breath, breathe your spirit into them that they might truly experience life the way you intended it to be. Give them value. Lord, I pray today that you would make this room, every person in it, a world changer. Lord, help us to fulfill your purpose and your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.